Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, joining us now in studio is a Hall of Famer, the great Eric Nadell. How you doing, Eric? I am doing great. I am chilled out in vacation mode. School's out for summer. That's got to feel <laughs> so good to put a bow on the season. That's just a lot of work goes into that. Congratulations on another fantastic season of broadcasting for you and your team. You guys are just all exceptional. Thanks. We had such a good time. This was such a pleasantly surprising season um, with the Rangers staying in contention, you know, for most of the year. And, you know, just having the whole Chris Woodward experience changed everything. Uh, the atmosphere around the team was so relaxed. Uh, he got so much out of the players, and the communication skills of Chris and his coaching staff were really something to behold. It, it was part of the fun of the season. Yeah, that's, uh, that That can certainly change the complexion because sometimes that can go horribly wrong, right? And a lot of times it's based on who was here before and how players need to change and all those sorts of things. But did you – did you, how as the season was unfolding early the first half and the Rangers were in the mix – did you kind of get the feeling that they could hang into it, or did you sort of feel like, ah, this is going to change? We simply don't have enough firepower. You know, you never knew if the starting pitching would be good enough uh, because, you know, they signed the three guys in the offseason who were coming off Tommy John, and none of them worked out. You know, right. Shelby Miller and Drew Smiley and Edinson Volquez. Fortunately, for a while, Ariel Gerardo and Adrian Sampson were able to pick up the slack. Uh, and keep the Rangers in games, and basically keep the Rangers competitive. Uh, that didn't last forever. And when that didn't last, and then Gallo and Pence got hurt, and the firepower wasn't there that had been there the first few months of the season, You know, it was really at that point a different team. So Rugnet Odor has to know wasn't the best season for him. He did end up, you know, hitting 30 home runs. Um, you know, if you if you look at it, he, he played a little bit better in the last month of the season. John Daniels apparently said today that they will look to trade one of their left-handed bats. Well, uh, Rugi's probably the leading candidate uh, to be dealt, I would think. Maybe Mazzara's up there as well. Mazzara did hit 287 in the second half, but... Uh, what are your thoughts on the season you just saw from Rugnet Odor and how it impacts his future, especially knowing Solak's right there in the waiting? No, he's such a tease. You know, he's done this before, <laughs> you know, had a big finish, and you figure, well, that's going to carry over to next year and he's going to have a full season. But, you know, Chris Woodward believes that uh, Rugi has a better foundation now to put together, you know, a full, consistent year next year. Um, yeah, there's certainly a chance he'll be traded. I don't know if his contract... Uh, will prevent that. Uh, I don't know if Shinsu Chu maybe, with only one year left on the contract, uh, is somebody who would be tradable, especially since he showed this year that he is still quite capable of playing the outfield, mm -hmm. you know, at least at an average level. And, of course, Mazzara doesn't exactly have his maximum trade value right now, but there are teams that still see the upside in a guy who's, I think, only still only 24 years old. But I would imagine it's pretty certain that one of those three guys will get traded. As far as Ruggie goes, though, Ruggie knows. We talked to him in a Saturday night after the game when he had the six RBIs. He knows it wasn't a good season for him. 
uh, even though he wound up with 30 homers and a career high, you know, over 90 runs batted in, you know, he realizes he has to have, be more consistent. I don't know if those guys look at the OPS number, which seems to be the most significant stat these days to judge a guy's overall offensive performance. You know, he wound up at least over 700, mm. but still about 50 points below the league average, you know, which is amazing when you consider guy hits 30 homers, 90 runs batted in, but the on-base plus slugging together don't even add up to the league average. Uh, clearly, you know, there's something wrong in the body of work as a whole. Do you think uh, the starting third baseman or regular third baseman for the Texas Rangers is currently in the organization? I'd be surprised if he is. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Rangers will go outside and get somebody. I know they do like Nick Solak. Uh, I'm not sure if he's a good enough defensive player to play third base. He really hasn't had enough opportunities to show. Uh, I know the Rangers don't want to just stick Danny Santana there. They love the idea of Santana being able to play multiple positions, and I think they would be more enthused about Santana as either a second baseman or a center fielder than they would as a third baseman. Uh, I think the Rangers will go out and try and sign one of the guys out there, whether it's Rendon or Donaldson or Moustakis. Uh, I'd be surprised if one of those three guys wasn't a Ranger. Or maybe somebody comes in a trade who we're not even thinking about. So Rendon, it came out today that the Nationals have offered him seven years, $210 million, $30 million a year. He's 29, obviously an incredible season, hit 319, 34 bombs, drove in 126 runs. Apparently he's really good, above average defense. You may know about his defensive prowess as well. Uh, it kind of has this the feeling of Adrian Beltre part two, and uh, that's a lot to, to stick on a guy. But that said, do you feel like the the organization is, is going to spend money in free agency and go after a guy like this or someone else because of the new stadium? Yeah, I think so. I think the new stadium makes it possible. Also, where the Rangers are in the rebuild makes it more sensible than it would have been a year ago or two years ago. You know, you can kind of sniff serious contention now, which wasn't necessarily the case before. So I think that combined with obviously new revenue streams from the new stadium, uh, it does make sense. And, you know, the Rangers need to add a veteran starting pitcher too. Mm -hmm. Um, I doubt it's going to be Garrett Cole, uh, but maybe it's Zach Wheeler or Jake Odorizzi or, you know, one of the other guys out there. Uh, That's, a very big need. You can't go into next season, I don't think, and expect to contend with just Lynn and Miner as proven, established starting pitchers. I think it was really interesting that Miner had his troubles around the All Star break. But you know, we were talking earlier about how the heat impacts people. I mean, the guy finished strong, and depending on you know if you look at the innings he had pitched leading up to that, and then being in the bullpen, and the injury, and all that. I mean, he showed a hell of a lot this year, and he was the at the centerpiece of so much trade talk. That could be a real pivotal situation for the Rangers about how much they can or can't compete this year. Is if they do end up keeping Minor and then adding a legit pitcher with them, then you kind of start feeling good about the the three guys. And then which of these young arms step up to fill out your rotation? Yeah, I think that's right. And it's funny because for years we would evaluate pitchers partially on how well they could pitch in our ballpark, how well they could handle the heat. You know, it was a great big deal. Can he pitch in our ballpark? Now it does. Doesn't it doesn't matter, matter anymore. Yeah. Um, but the fact that Miner and Lynn both did that, you know, certainly enhances their value, uh, both to the Rangers uh, and to other clubs. Think if they do stay with the Rangers, how much easier it's going to be for them to go through the second half of the season not pitching, you know, in 95-degree temperature 
all the time. What both of those guys did this season is amazing. And, you know, just you look at the baseball reference war thing, and I still have no idea how they compute that statistic. <laughs> I just know that the guys who vote for MVP and Cy Young use that stat a lot. And those guys rank second and third in the league in war behind Justin Verlander. Wow. Um, you know, basically meaning uh, their value to their team is greater than that of any other pitcher to his team with the exception of Verlander. It's it's phenomenal. All right, so let's talk about Chris Woodward, his, his first year as skipper here, and we hear that, okay, there's a lot more meetings and things they did this year. They wanted to overhaul the team's culture. How do you think he did in his first year, and what should Rangers fans be excited about with regard to the future with this young manager? I, I think he did a splendid job. You know, the meetings, the hitters' meetings, on a daily basis makes so much sense. There's such a wealth of information now that they provide these guys, you know, if they want it. There's so much information there. I don't know how a guy could be involved in a meeting on Monday and possibly remember what they told him about some guy who might pitch on Wednesday when in the meantime he might have faced 10 different pitchers the way things are now Mm -hmm. in baseball. You really do need those meetings on a daily basis. in a sense, to me, there's there's too much information for guys to process. And part of the job of Woodward and the coaches is making it easier for the hitters and the pitchers, for that matter, to absorb the information that they need and use it. Uh, in some cases, I think there are probably guys who get overwhelmed by too much information. Each guy is different. And I think that's why it's so valuable that Chris and uh, Luis Ortiz and Calix Crab, the hitters co- hitting coaches, are so good at relating to players and relating to them as people. And that's something that, you know, I thought was very different this year. The relationship between Chris and the players, I almost likened to an older brother relationship compared to the more paternal relationship that you had with with Jeff Bannister, who was more of an authoritarian-type father figure. And even Wash was a father figure, but, uh, you know, more of an uh, avuncular, a gentle father figure. With Chris, it's different, you know. He's still one of them. He's 42 years old. Mm-hmm. You can still see him going out and playing third base, you know, someday for them if they needed a guy. Um, it's different. But I just love the way it worked out. And more than anything, I love the fact that this guy, Chris Woodward, did not change when things started going badly in the second half. There wasn't a sense of stress, of panic, uh, even keel, and – you know, just remarkable. I, I, I cannot possibly overstate how impressed I am by Chris Woodward, both as a manager and as a person. Wash was like a cool uncle in a lot of ways. The do cool you think, uncle, yeah. Do you think, uh, do you think Joey Gallo, uh, Gallo it, it, look, he missed, what, he played 70 games? I don't even know how many games he played. But do you think he is the middle of the bat beast that this franchise can build around, or do they still need that guy? No, he's the guy. I, I think he's the guy. Uh, but one thing we saw, I think, while the Rangers were going well, is it really helps to have a second guy that, which was Pence, for most of the year. You know, you got to give some protection to Gallo. You got to first of all make sure there are people on base when he comes up, and there does have to be somebody behind him. You know, who is a threat. But I think what he did in the half a season, especially in light of how he did it, which was a different approach, clearly able to not swing at the pitches that he can't hit, uh, even if it means getting called on on strikes. Um, I think they got through to him, and it was a big factor in the kind of year that he had. You know, his approach now is very different from what it was two years ago. 
So Nick Solak, only 33 games, but really impressive. They said he could hit uh, 884 OPS. Is, is he an everyday player next year for the Texas Rangers, and is that sustainable? It's an, It'll be interesting to see you know, whether he becomes another guy like Santana, who plays second, third, and the outfield. Uh, it was interesting to me how well he did as a designated hitter this year. A lot of young players can't handle that role. You know, it's like pinch hitting four or five times, and a lot of guys hate it. You know, none of them prefer to do it, but it turned out he was pretty good at it. He was able to handle it, which demonstrates to me that there's a there's a mental capacity there, uh, which is impressive. But I think they'd like to find at-bats for him. Uh, and I've talked to Michael Young about him, and I always think of Nick Solak as a potential Michael Young starter kit. And and Michael's really impressed by him. Michael thinks he's a player, and, you know, that that's good enough for me. Boy, that carries a lot of weight. All right, let's talk about what you've got coming up Sunday night, man. Yeah, so I do this uh, concert series at Cafe Momentum, which is a nonprofit restaurant in downtown Dallas that hires juvenile offenders when they come out of jail and gives them a one-year paid internship in the restaurant business. And I've been doing a concert series with them for almost two years now, one concert a month on a Sunday night. Uh, it's dinner, drinks, concert all together. It starts at 6. It's over at 9. And this Sunday, I've been trying to put this show together for two years. It's baseball songs. Cool. Uh, last year, I was asked by the public radio station here to do a DJ set and play all baseball songs for an hour. And I thought it would be a piece of cake. Well, it wasn't. There's like hundreds of them. I didn't realize that back in the 50s, there were songs about Willie Mays and Jackie Robinson and Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio, multiple songs about each guy. Uh, there are songs about each hero. Ben Gibbard of yes. Death Cab has a song mm-hmm. about each hero. Uh, Bill Lee wrote has a song that Warren Zevon wrote about him. A Catfish Hunter has a song that Bob Dylan wrote about him. So, like, is Mrs. Robinson considered a baseball song or no? No. You eliminate that. No, these Just are little real, references don't matter. Right, real, base, real baseball songs. And we have three singers who are going to perform these songs. One is Vanessa Peters, who is local, a fabulous singer-songwriter. And two of them are guys who live in, in California. One is named Dan Byrne, who got really famous a few years ago for a song he did called The Fifth Beatle. Uh, which is unbelievably entertaining, and he'll do that on Sunday. But he actually has a double album of baseball songs called Extra Innings. (laughs) And uh, another guy named Dan Navarro, who's a huge Dodger fan who performs baseball songs. And the three of them are all going to perform baseball songs on Sunday night. And 105.3 The Fan actually has a link on their website where you can win tickets to the show. And these are expensive tickets. It costs $85 to go to this thing. But, in, again, it includes dinner, drinks, and the show. But if you go to 1053thefan.com thefancom slash contests, 1053thefan.com slash contests, you can win uh, one of, uh, I think, five pairs of tickets that were given away to the show. And I am told, too, that the famous Matt Hicks and Jared Sandler will both be there. Wow. Oh, right. so we have nice. a lot of people who tweet us, say, how can we meet you guys, blah, 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 blah. Come to Cafe Momentum on Sunday, and uh, we can make all of that happen. Love it, love it. Hey, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to come join us up here. We love talking baseball with you. Enjoy your much-deserved off time. Thanks. I'm looking forward to it, and looking forward to listening to you guys to find out 
what's happening with the Cowboys now that I have the energy to be. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You'll be listening from Durango, I'm sure. Uh, I will be on the radio.com. Uh, uh, I have the radio.com app right here on my phone. There it's a great you app. Go. Yes, Thanks, there Eric. goes the Thank great Eric Nadell. Coming up next, some new Dak Prescott audio and a conversation that must be had right here on the fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.